Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. Hi, Adrian. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited about this episode. It's with the winner of the Beauty Connect Spotlights. This is a really yeah, big deal. Yeah, me too. I feel like we have been waiting almost all year for this episode to see who the winner was and get to do this interview. This is a very unusual entrepreneurial story. It is. It? It's quite interesting him jumping in and running this business with a brand story that's so personal and not his own. Right. We're being really um, coy, I think, about this, but um, Bushbaum got started by his other partners on their honeymoon in a really intimate way, we'll just say. We'll let him tell the, <laughs> the rest of the story on the episode. Yeah, I think our guests will really enjoy hearing how this business came to life. So I'm excited for it. Should we hop in? All right. Let's do it. This is episode 222 with David Gaylord, co-founder and CEO of Bushbaum. Enjoy. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I can't believe how fast the year is going by. Thankfully, we still have a couple of more exciting guests in the lineup. You might remember that Where Brains Meet Beauty had the honor of being Beauty Connect's headline media partner this year. This innovative event brought over 350 plus beauty decision makers, disruptors, and strategic partners together. Our executive producer, Eleni, had such an insightful experience chairing the event and meeting incredible founders, investors, and service providers. One of those founders was David Gaylord, co-founder of Bushbaum. Bushbaum was selected by the event attendees to win the Beauty and Wellness Spotlight, an award showcasing the best unique and disruptive emerging brands in beauty and wellness this year. Congrats to Bushbaum. If you haven't heard of them before, Bushbaum is a skincare brand that both solves and breaks the silence on common skin challenges that aren't often talked about. Their evolving skincare line is specific, but not limited to, to targeting areas that are commonly ignored, such as the bikini line, underarms, legs, and tush, just to name a few. This natural skincare line is making big moves to work on effective solutions for every skin concern niche. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by David on the show. Not only is David a co-founder of Bushbaum, but he has been the mastermind behind all things digital marketing and tech within the company. We are so excited for you to hear more about David's career journey today. To see more of what David is up to behind the scenes, be sure to follow him on Instagram at David Gaylord and check out the business at Bushbaum. So hi, David. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. As a reminder to everyone listening in on Instagram, insert your questions for David in the comments and we'll get to them later in the show. So David, this is a career journey show. And my favorite question, I've been asking it our entire fifth anniversary season, is let's go back in time to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, this is kind of an easy one for me. It's funny. There's myself and then my brother. Um, so if you asked him, he would have said he wanted to be an accountant when he was 11. And today, today he's an accountant. Um, and uh, going back to me, though, my dad was an entrepreneur growing up. He had a, a hardwood flooring business. So... For me, I always just wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to own a business. I wanted to be part of a business, whatever that looked like. Um, so yeah, growing up, I always thought I wanted to start something. I just, I didn't know what I, I wanted to start when I was 11. It's so sweet to hear that you wanted to be like your dad. Um, I feel like this could go either way for people. Either they totally want to join the family business or they want nothing to do with it. 
Um, what appealed to you about yeah, it? Yeah, so like growing, growing up, thing I've always, I've always liked school as well. So like I saw the uh, family business as a place where I could just learn different skills. Um, and the family business for me, they, they did manufacturing, they delivered everything, um, they had a website. So it was a place where I could truly learn what went behind the scenes. So I think I started working for the family business literally at 11. And then I was there until I was about 21, um, just kind of after university. And uh, yeah, it was just like the perfect place to learn what goes into it because there's there's a lot uh, you realize. Okay, from the wood flooring business to um, skincare and sensitive spots at that, uh, what were some of those first jobs in the flooring company for you? Yeah, so like probably the worst one was I did all the, the staining of all the trim. So I was covered in stain all the time. Uh, it was a bit messy. Um, and then some of my best jobs at the family business was when I was in second year university, I took their whole business to e-commerce. So they started an e-commerce website where they sold mostly samples. Um, but that journey was, uh, I learned so much about uh, stuff we do today and, and every kind of D2C beauty brand knows is you have to have a website, it has to convert, um, you got to drive traffic, all, all those different things. Did a lot of your friends have jobs like yours at like in their early teen years? Um, not, not really. Um, I think what was good is I got just more responsibility when I was younger. So I actually took a year off high school or about a semester of high school um, in grade 12 when my parents, my dad actually opened up a, a new store and they got a three month lease and they didn't want to take a big risk. So they said, would you be the only employee for three months? And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll shut it down. Um, it, it did work, but uh, yeah, that was just, I had so much responsibility um, at such a young age. I think I was 17 at the time and uh, lived in a total new city on my own. It was, it was a really cool experience. How far was this city from where you were growing up? It, it was only an hour, but it, it felt like 10 hours probably. So you got to be almost like a business unit manager in, I guess you were 17 years old at this time? Yeah, exactly. So I ran all the sales, all the inventory management. I actually did deliveries. So I'd, I'd show up at work at 7 or 8 and I'd sell all day. And then I would do deliveries from 5.30 to kind of 7 at night. So it was just like I was the whole business. There was no one, no one else involved really. And because you're at a distance from headquarters, um, the, the headquarters team really needed you to report, I assume, on productivity and, you know, sales and things like that. So that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. For anyone kind of going in business or just in, in life in general, that was when I learned how to use a spreadsheet. And the skills of a spreadsheet today are, are quite useful as well. Um, I love this. You didn't tell me that you um, basically ran your own store at 17 years old. This is very cool. Mm actually have a question for fans and um, for David at this point. So um, if you look on David's LinkedIn, you'll notice that he was part of student government in college. I too um, was in student government and we have something like very, very in common. David, what was your highest position in student government? Uh, I was student government president in my last year, which was uh, kind of, yeah, a climax. It was awesome. I too was the president. What other positions did you hold? Um, I had the, it was like the sophomore uh, representative. And then, uh, oh, I forget what my sec, my third year was. I think it was like vice president or something. I think my first role, I think I aimed high um, my first um, year, but I didn't get whatever I was going for. But I ended up as like the Greek life liaison. Um, and I... Um, Greek life at a small college is um, complicated because, you know, it's part of the social life, but there's also, <laughs> yeah. um, it's pretty disruptive. So um, I had that role. 
I don't know that I made the most of it, but I guess I did my best. And then I think I had another role, maybe secretary or something. And then finally right. president. Yeah. And I'm sure you learned a lot as president. I, I certainly did. You know, it was, um, it was such an incredible experience for me. It was where I, I felt like I was with my people more so than in the dorms, more so than a class in, in the sorority. Like I felt like I was around my people. I felt like the most connected to that. It was also a refuge for me. I felt really safe in student government world where like everything else, like socially w- felt complicated. I um, retreated to the student government office and just felt like, you know, <laughs> like this is my 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 place to be. So I'm curious, you know, what do you think you learned most during that experience? And like, what do you bring from student government into your work today? Yeah, I, I find student government or just in general, just like caring for something is like important. So student government was a way for me to just care about the school I was at. So I, I just find that experience makes it better because all of a sudden you're like more invested in the school and more interested you meet more people that are also interested in the school. So just it brings up just your morale and your excitement for the school. So in business in general, like one of the harder parts of running a business is getting everyone really excited about the business all the time. So it's like getting people hyped about new products, like rallying everyone around one thing. At student government, it's maybe an extra 10 parking spots somewhere. Or in, in business, it's like, let's have a really big launch because Black Friday is coming up. You really need like everyone to work extra hard at that time. And, and that's like a challenge, but being kind of together on the same kind of mission is, is huge. Well, you know, this is actually an incredible segue to what I want to talk about, which is, um, you know, how you brought your experience with your family business and then student government forward into your um, role before being an entrepreneur, which was at Shopify, which I imagine was a super cool place to learn. Um, how did you end up with the job there? Yeah, so I, I ended up at Shopify. I worked for the family business and in my second year of university built their website on Shopify. And then I built another one for them actually the next year. And for a while I was in Shopify every day. And I think most entrepreneurs who have beauty businesses are also in Shopify every day now. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up uh, applying to a different, different roles and I got accepted for a role at Shopify in customer service. So it was really entry level. Um, but the skills I learned with the family business and using Shopify was really, really valuable. Um, and then from there, I had the decision of, do I go to the family business or I choose Shopify? And I decided to choose Shopify just for the corporate experience, understanding like what a bigger company looks like. And also I figured I'd, I'd learn more on the tech side. Um, so that was, that was probably the right choice at the time. And actually for the first six months I worked at Shopify, I also worked at the family business and did like a bunch of extra work. Um, so I was just working too hard then. Um, but yeah, I think I made the right choice now. And uh, actually my, my oldest brother uh, just took over the family business fully. So my dad just retired, which is uh, super exciting. Oh, how sweet. So he was an accountant background and is now running the business. Oh, no, sorry. I have, a, I have two brothers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, we have the accountant brother who's uh, very helpful during tax season. I bet. Um, so, you know, this idea of working two jobs at one time, so you're working for the family business and at Shopify, right? So um, if we fast forward to the development of Bush Bomb, here you are again. Mm. So you had actually started Bush Bomb with your 
co-founders very early before you left the full-time job. Yeah, right? so it was 2016. So the idea of Bushbomb was really Tim and Mel on their honeymoon, came up with the idea. Um, it's kind of an interesting, fun story. Um, okay, tell us the story. Oh, yeah, we need so, to figure story. so Tim and Mel were on their honeymoon and it was after the beach and I, I guess, you know, it's hot and sweaty, whatever. And Tim, uh, he freshened up because Mel loved his beard oil. So he kind of put it everywhere. Um, and like by everywhere, like everywhere. And they came back from their honeymoon and we're quite close. And Tim and Mel were telling me the story about how they think this is just a cool idea of could skincare or scent-based care travel to like down there? So the idea was freshening up, right? And I was like, I love the idea. And typically it's like you have the idea and then you make a name afterwards. But this one was the case where Tim was like, we already have the name, we, we want to call it Bushbomb. And I was like, oh yeah, that's like a brilliant, such a cool name. Um, and then from 2016 to 2020, we ran the business as a part-time business. Um, we had our other jobs. Mel actually is a graphic designer, had her own business as well. So super busy, super tied up. And we all ran it kind of a side hustle. And then at one point we really found like product market fit. And the key was, no one at the time really wanted scent-based product. Scent was actually not interesting at all in 2016. But as we got further along and talked to more people and tested more, we realized like waxing salons loved our product and waxing salons wanted something for irritation, redness, kind of post-wax. So that was the direction that we went in and, and formulated in. And that was what really made it hit. And then 2020, 2021, we had really, really good years growing and then the funny part is now scent is actually kind of coming back, um, which we we thought scent was probably gone for a long time. But yeah, now we're seeing scent as a trend is starting to emerge, which is interesting. Did you could you ever have imagined that you would be um, an entrepreneur and a co-founder and have to tell someone's honeymoon <laughs> story as part of like your normal daily course of business? No, not at all. And the, the interesting part now is Bushbaum. We're a team, uh, there's 13 of us now, and we're all pretty fun and open and honest. And in our industry, uh, like we, we are breaking down taboos. Like I probably said pubic hair like 15 times today just because I have to, like that's part of our job. And for us, we're, we're good to talk about it um, just because it's kind of what we're trying to spread. Like the word of their skincare down there and it's fine. Whereas yeah, 2016, the world kind of wasn't ready for, for what Bushbomb's trying to offer. Let's go back in time a little bit when you were at Shopify and you're starting to get a sense that um, Bushbaum could like live on its own and you would potentially be le leaving a full-time stable job. Um, what was happening in the business and in your heart at the time when you're like, I'm ready to, to move into this full-time, I'm ready to say goodbye to what feels safe? Yeah, we, we hired um, some great employees at the start. So our first hire, Rachel, came on and what we realized was Bushbaum had... People liked it and understood it. And the next step was, okay, let's make better products. And then also let's, let's focus on the brand. Um, so Rachel came in and from there, we really started to take off. So seeing the brand that resonated with folks um, took a lot of work, um, whether that's like social media, all of our advertising, um, or even just showing up on a retail shelf. Like, what do you look like on a box? Like, how does that translate? Um, so at that point, uh, we launched our dark spot product, so our brightening product. And it really helped the business grow. And then quickly after we launched our trimmer, um, which for men, trimmers are 
Um, traditional, like you've seen trimmers forever uh, for pubic hair for men, and then we launched one for women. And um, 2021 was a year where I don't think that was growing in popularity at all. And as we've seen over the last two years, it's actually grown a lot. So TikTok, I would say, is the reason. Uh, people are more open about talking about it. Um, but yeah, that was at the point, as soon as we launched the trimmer, I really saw like growth in the business and we were all ready to kind of jump in full time. And uh, the real thing was we had to grow a lot of products, make the line bigger um, to sustain itself. And then, uh, yeah, we launched a lot of new new stuff uh, in 2021. And what were the feelings inside of you when you're like walking in or virtually walking into your boss's office to say it's time for you to move on? Yeah, it's kind of exciting. You're kind of nervous. Um, the, the main thing I would say is like, I, I have nothing against Shopify. I love Shopify and I still love the company. Like it's, it's amazing. But at the same time, you're at a job where it's a pretty big company. There's a lot of like creative people around. Um, but depending on your role, like I, I wasn't creative at Shopify. I was very corporate. I was very like number oriented. Whereas I come to Bushbaum and skincare and beauty, it's just a beautiful industry. Like it's so fun, so interesting, so different. And you get to see like all these different lenses. Um, whereas if you're at a tech company, it's, it's all, it's, there's lots of lenses, but it's different. Whereas beauty and skincare, it's kind of like art. Like it's just this fascinating place where art meets science. And yeah, it's just a different industry that like I felt, fell in love with. What advice would you give someone who is um, keeping their day job, working in their side hustle business? What, what would you tell them if they're thinking, they're trying to figure out when is the right time for me to um, say goodbye to the day job? Yeah, the best thing we ever did was we went to, um, I'm sure there's still these, but Etsy shows. It was like the craft market, small show. If there's any sort of show near you that's low cost, um, for us, it was one of the best things ever where we just went to a show, we had a little booth, we didn't spend that much money and we met people and we told them about it. We showed them the product and just talking to people about Bush Bomb and the idea was amazing because they, they had feedback, they had thoughts about packaging, about products we could make. And that went so far into what we actually made. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that to anyone. Just actually talk to people, get their feedback, show them the product. Um, don't be scared of kind of giving away your idea. Because, um, yeah, it takes a lot of work to get it to the next level. But without the feedback, it's going to be really hard. Let's um, shift gears a little bit and talk about um, how as co-founders, the three of you, um, how you divide and conquer, how you um, split off, you know, division responsibilities or not. Um, you know, is it, um, was this hard to achieve? And, you know, what is your um, point of view on how you split the load? Yeah, um, I think it's kind of, you, at the start, you kind of do everything, right? And that's the scary part. And over time, you realize, like, what's too much. And for us, it was often, uh, like, in the early days, shipping. So I was shipping boxes out of my house, and it was chaos. There's boxes everywhere. But then we found a 3PL. So that workload is just immediately gone from everyone's plate. So how we thought about it was, okay, what are the things we do? And then what are the things that aren't scalable? And then how do we either outsource them to other people or hire employees to help us with those? Um, so how we've kind of split it is like front of house and back of house. So like sales and marketing and then supply chain, ops, um, HR, all of those things. So you, you kind of separate it and immediately everyone is less stressed because there's two different departments essentially. Um, and then from there, it's like divvying up what work takes the most most time and effort. And a good example is supply chain. 
Um, like Tim took most of the supply chain out of our plates and right then it was made life so much easier because that's just immediately hard and, and it's a lot to think about. Um, and some folks need to be freed up creatively to do design or marketing or sales. Um, whereas, yeah, if you're always thinking about supply chain, it's, it's hard to be, be creative. So it's a 13 person organization. Do you, um, ever notice that people come to, um, you or your partners, um, you know, to kind of escalate a a question or a topic or a concern, but they're actually going to the wrong person. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's like training. You're you're trying to get everyone to have autonomy and um, the ability to make decisions, which just takes time. But yeah, I think we've kind of gone through that and it's kind of interesting to see someone once they feel empowered to make the decisions, how like faster, how much faster the business goes. Um, so yeah, I think every smaller business starting up, you're, you're going to go through that. Um, and it really, yeah, it, it slows things down if you have to go through every different person to kind of make something happen. Um, and yeah, in the early days of any small beauty company or business, I'd say you're always um, asking everyone because there's only six of you in the room. And then as soon as you're 15, 20, 30, it, you can't ask everyone. And we're kind of at that stage right now where um, there's got to be pretty quick decision making and kind of not letting it go to too many uh, other folks. So um, we're going to switch gears now, David, to on the last topic for the interview part of our show. And it's um, a really important topic to me. And it's about um, how we perceive and define success. So when I was early in my career, I thought that just meant money. <laughs> like I was like, oh, success means you make a lot of money. Um, now for me, success is, is measured differently. It's like I'm wealthy in freedom. Um, I'm wealthy in flexibility. And those are the things that are important to me now. So I'm so curious, like if you can go back in the time, maybe maybe when you were um, working in that one hour away um, location for your family business or when you started Shopify, how did you define success back then? Um, that's a hard question, I'd say. For me now, it's like still more about learning. Like I'm still at the stage where it's less about like being successful per se, but it's like having a lot of skills to understand like what you want to be better at. Um, so yeah, now I'm still learning. Like we're, we're launching in retail shortly and that's like a new thing for me. So success is kind of always unlocking new things to learn versus like a certain number or certain size. It's really, yeah, just understanding, can I keep learning in the role I'm in? And if, if that's the case, then I'm pretty excited by kind of what we're doing. That's so sweet. I actually really love hearing that. Um, most of the time people <laughs> make it's money, so, which is fine <laughs> yeah. too. Um, but um, as an entrepreneur, I've noticed that um, the universe keeps giving me opportunities to learn. I don't always want them. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just yeah. like, give me a break. But there's always something great at the end of like the the challenge, whatever that challenge is. Right. Um, and now finally, I'm I'm at this place where um, I I egg on the challenge. Okay, come let let let's get started here. Let's figure out what we're gonna learn. But it took a very long time to be willing to. Um, accept these challenges on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Yeah, 100%, definitely. So um, let's talk about um, the seduction of success. So um, you say you you know want to keep learning and always be challenged by learning new things. Um, I found being an entrepreneur a pretty seductive experience, meaning like if I have goals and ambitions and I reach a goal, my body craves more. Like I want another, right. another thing, another like thing to um, get that check mark next to or we ring a lot of bells at my company. So I want to ring another bell. Um, but with that means like 
I love my job. I love, you know, seeing my ambition come to life. And I now I have a taste for more, which means more hours working, like, right? And that could be at the expense of other things that are important to me. So I'm wondering, you know, do you feel seduced by, um, you know, your your entrepreneurial journey and your path to success? Yeah, every time you do something, I I find the thing with like a beauty business or any business maybe is you always feel like, there's a new thing you can keep doing. So it's hard to actually ring that bell. You're, you're constantly thinking, oh, like the next thing is we have to do this, we have to do this. Um, but the, the thing that I get the most like excited or eager to like get to the next stage is any product. So like when we get new product samples, I'm always like blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Or getting the like actual bottle and how does it pour out? How does it work? Like really the fine details of that is where I get super intrigued because it'll take us three more months to get the next samples or three more months to get like the update. So it's, it's a slow, slow process, but very rewarding to kind of see those things come in. Um, but yeah, it's, I find it just really, really hard to, to ring a bell and be, um, congratulate the team. You really have to, uh, do that uh, more often. And it's just hard to, to always celebrate. Yeah. I had to come up with a system for myself to celebrate the wins, even if they're teeny, teeny, tiny, because I was in this place all of my career, not just now, of like, okay, something good happened. Great. It's done. And like, I moved on to the next thing and never spent a second just sort of sitting in, oh, wow, that's cool that that happened. Or I finally did this, or I'm proud of myself. So um, what what I was doing was um, skipping over the wins. And then when something bad would happen, guess what? Right. I would be in that hole for like a week. So <laughs> I had to train my body to realize that every day, like their successes so that when the not great stuff happens and it, you know, not great stuff does happen, I'm really buoyed by the good stuff. So I literally have bells all over my desk and my team does too. <laughs> and we ring them for things big and small and it yeah. helps us. It really does help on the days that are not that great. Yeah, totally. No, we, I got to figure out something like that. Maybe we'll get a gong in the office or something. Yeah. Um, I actually, the bell thing, I did not invent this. I saw it on one of those reality TV shows. I think it was a real estate show. Like anytime they'd like, you know, sell a house or something, oh, they yeah. ring a bell. And um, I borrowed that because I really needed it. I was um, feeling really low on those hard days, but the lowness would stick around for way too long for, to be productive. Right. Um, and um, it's been many years of ringing the bell and it works. Nice. Well, David, this has been super fun for me. I hope that you've enjoyed your time here. You've been our 222nd episode. So thank you. Wow, amazing. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm super grateful for you sharing your wisdom and our fans and our listeners here are grateful too. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode in our health-themed quarter. Thank you, everybody.
Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.